0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Pastor Michael Jacobs. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. This morning, to Luke chapter 1, and uh, we're going to look at a verse here, and we've got some other verses. I'm going to talk to you today about keep at it. Amen. Keep at it. Just keep at it. Uh, we, we got a lot of starters in the, in the earth and a lot in the body of Christ and very few finishers, in my opinion. People don't want to stay with anything very long. I've been with Jesus almost 36 years coming up. Been in the ministry 32. Been married to the same woman uh, 34 years. I stay with stuff. I stay with important issues in my life. I, stay, I haven't done everything right, but bless God, I'm not a quitter. And I tell you, you're not going to put on my tombstone if I go before you. He, you know, he died of boredom. I'll change it up in a minute. I'm not going to die bored. I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to do what God told me to do. And let all the quitters quit if they want, but I'm going to go on. There'll be a few join me. But you've got to keep at it. And I'm really going to talk to you about your words here in just a minute. You've got to keep at it. See, sometimes we teach a, little, a series on things. Naturally, a pastor has to teach a lot of things to people because people need everything. that's just the people normal people then there's people in trouble and they're in trouble in everything sometimes when they come or they get in trouble when you know not because of what we're teaching but because of their carnality then they got trouble here and they trouble there different things so you got to help people to see how to turn it around then so there's a lot of things that we have to teach need to teach want to teach but we got to understand that when we go on to another subject doesn't mean we forgot what we just were taught Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I want to talk to you about... Keep at it. Say that. Keep at it. it. Luke 1 and 20. This is the story of Zacharias, you know, the priest. And the angel came to visit him. This is John the Baptist's father. And uh, verse 20 says, Luke 1, Behold, thou shalt be dumb, talking to the man here, and not able to speak, until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. Now, I want you to take note of that. Words have seasons. See, whatever you're doing today, whatever you have today or lack of it, whatever your mind soundness or lack of soundness in your mind is because of what you've been saying in the past. Really, if you you get older and you learn how to talk and you learn how to talk scripturally, well, you're always reaping a harvest of what you've been saying and you have to look at words as seeds words are seeds you're planting you're planting mainly in your own heart and so, of course you're planting other people too if you you know they listen to you and that could be good or that could be bad you know you can kill relationships with your words you can kill your marriage with your words you can kill your money with your words you can kill your health with your words you can you can bring depression on yourself with your words or you can get out of it with your words But words have seasons. Normally, they're not instant. Now, you know, you're more proficiently trained. Some of us know more than others, and we've been working at it a long time. We've been working at it a long time. Remember, you know, when I say to you that I never let a day go by that I don't pay attention to my faith, I'm talking about the way I talk and the way I think And what's coming out of my mouth and what I'm paying attention to in my thought life and what I'm doing. That all is entailed in that comment, I pay attention to my faith every day. I'm doing something, I'm doing my best to protect my faith. And I don't just say, well, day off, I'm going to go sin. I'm going to talk any way I want like most people. I'm going to be silly. I'm going to be goofy. I'm going to talk foolish. And I don't do that to myself. You can do whatever you want with that. But I trained myself a long time ago. And it took me time when I first heard just exactly what I'm preaching to you. I thought, like some people think, that's the stupidest message I've ever heard. That my words are going to make any difference at all. You know, I was a drug addict and a drug dealer, and I thought a shotgun make a big difference. Believe me, it does when you've got it in front of people. And I thought other things made a difference, but I never dreamed that my words would affect anything. And since that time when that, word, that message was first preached to me, and I got a hold of it, I began to do something about my words. I, I realized, my God, my words are worse than, than the shotgun and the mentality I was thinking back then. And I wasn't hunting deers or hunting rabbits or anything else back then, believe me. So I'm not bragging on being a sinner. That's what sinners do. I was a good one. I was committed to it. But here I'm saying to you, words have seasons. So whatever you're saying, uh, whatever you've been saying is what you're walking in. And no more. Listen to what I'm saying. You don't like the way your life's going? Well, you've been saying wrong. See, the reason people get out with me sometimes, I mean, I, you know, I'd like everybody to like me, but I'm not naive anymore. I realize some people are going to get mad. And you shouldn't because I'm trying to help you. But if you do, that's your problem, not mine. I know what I'm talking about. I'm living in it. I'm walking in it. I'm dripping in it. Praise God. I just know what I'm talking. I don't know a lot. I don't know anything about nuclear fission. I don't know nothing about calculus. I don't know nothing about hunting. Or fishing or, or anything. much. Well, I could fish, you know, but I, I never hunted but once in my life and it just turned my stomach, I had no stomach for it. And I don't have time. I don't even have time to mow my own grass, but I got money to pay somebody. Yeah, right. And a lot of times people, you know, bless his heart, Brother Faith here, he, he helps me out sometimes as a freebie, many times. But here's my point. Your words are setting the course for your life. If you don't like the way things are going, check up on what you've been saying. You say, "Well, uh, how long will it take? The rest of your life." <laughs> this is the thing about people; they want. Well, Pastor, if I start talking this way today, by Christmas, will it change? It'll probably change the way you're thinking. And if it's a minor issue in your life, it's not built a stronghold; it may change a lot more. But if it's something you've lived in in a negative way, and and a doubt way, and and a, a fear way or some other kind of anti-faith way, it may take a little longer for some of you. Words have seasons. Words have seasons. Words have seasons. So you got to keep at it. Say it again. Keep at it. you got to keep at it. Some things I've been saying for all, about 30 years. I didn't know this when I first got saved. You know, I got saved in a denominational church. I thank God for them. I, they told me about the new birth. But then they didn't tell me this is the way everything works in the kingdom, which they should have told me, that you believe in your heart and you say with your mouth. And their, their comment was, once you got saved, well, just do the best you can do. We never know what God's going to do. What a, what a stupid, stupid statement. Because we know exactly what God will do. He said he'd do what he said he would do. People, people don't spend time in the Word, though. There's confusion, but the Bible says we can understand. Ephesians five. I'm not turning there. It's not my message today. We can understand what the will of the Lord is. Present tense. I'm not walking around in some spiritual fog. I wonder what did that. I wonder what caused that. I don't understand that. No, exactly what causes whatever. There's God and there's devil and then there's people, <laughs> and God's the good one. He's the right one. What some people say may be, but what God says is. And then there's a devil down here and his cohorts doing things, tearing up people's lives. And of course, God gets the blame most of the time. <laughs> Hallelujah. Words have seasons. Yeah, I'm preaching real good. Thank you, Dustin. Nobody's really there just listening. But, you know, no, I'm trying to help everybody. I'm not mad. I'm. I'm i love you i'm trying to help you if you don't like the way things are it's not going to help you just because you're going to get a new job because you're still you. Right. you get a new mate that's still you baby <laughs> and if you're married and get a divorce and run off with some other woman then you bring all the luggage and baggage and issues from the first marriage Ah, <laughs> oh, well praise God. unless you get it straightened out yes. double trouble baby All right, let's go to Mark now. Let's go back to Mark 11 and and look at a verse here that Jesus taught us. I think it's important what Jesus taught us. I think it's important what Paul taught us. I think it's important that we study the Bible like this, talking about keep at it. Keep at it. When I say that, I want you to respond to me. Keep at it. That's right. And let's look here at, uh, you know, Mark 11. Now, you know he cursed the fig tree. He didn't cuss it. He cursed it. He spoke negatively, and it dried up. If you don't know the story, read it later. I don't have time to elaborate. I'm on a mission here. But we get down to verse 22, and Jesus said... Of course, Peter reminded him, Hey, this tree you spoke to yesterday started drying up. We can see there's evidence now. Initially, there was no evidence. Let me just comment on that a minute. So when you start saying things, sometimes things have to go down into the root of the situation either to kill something that you want out of your life or to bring life to something in the root system first and bring it up to life talk about miracle grow baby put some word on that if you like what it whatever that is put some miracle grow on it's called the word of god did not that miracle grow? Spiritual miracle grow? What does the Bible say? Anybody, I'll quote it. You know, we're not born again of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed by the living and abiding word of God. The flower grows and it withers in the grass, but the word of the Lord, it's even better than natural miracle grow. It endureth forever. And it's of a supernatural origin. Put some spiritual miracle grow on that. Hallelujah. So anyway, the Peter talked to the master, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and said, Lord, Lord, look at the tree here. And he said, yeah, have the faith of God or have faith in God. The King James says, verse 22, but the footnote says, have the faith of God. I've looked it up in the Greek and it says, have the faith of God. So in other words, you're not God, but you're sons and daughters of God and you have the God kind of faith. In other words, Jesus is going to tell us in verse 23, I'm going to read it, that this is the way the God kind of faith works. This is the way you work your faith. If you have faith, this is the way you work it. And if you're born again, I've taught you well before. I don't have time to go back today. You know, First Peter talks about we have the same precious faith <laughs> that Peter had. And all the rest of them. And we got the same faith that Jesus had, having the same spirit of faith, Paul said in 2 Corinthians. But here, look at verse 23. For verily I say unto you, that's you and me, you can put your name in there, that whosoever shall say, get a load of that, get, get a hold of that and a load of that, <laughs> and unto this mountain be removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. Now here's another issue. Somebody say, well, I just feel like when I'm saying it, I really, I feel like I'm lying. How could I say I'm healed when I got pain in my hip? Well, you're saying it based on the fact that by His stripes you were healed and you're saying it based on the Word. You're not saying it based on the feeling that's in your hip right then. And here, let me ask you a real logical question down from the college down the street, Logic 101. How could you be lying, saying what God said? That'd make God a liar. That'd make God an accomplice to a lie. And how many know he's not the liar? He said Satan's a liar and the father of it, and he's always been a liar and he always will be a liar. No, we're operating in truth, and this is the way. And if you do doubt to begin with, here's my solution the anecdote. Keep saying it, Amen. keep Amen. at it. it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's read on here. But you believe, it says, and shall not doubt in his heart. Now here's another little thought before we go further. You could doubt in your head but not in your heart and still get it. All right. But shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. You need to believe that the things you say come to pass. This is why I said you can't, there's nothing wrong with telling a joke and having fun. You know, I I think I have fun. I'm more intense than most people maybe because I'm serious about my, Call and thing, but I'm not serious. Like never have fun, never laugh, never smile, or anything else. That's not what I'm teaching. That's not what I am. But he's saying here is my point: you're going to have to learn that you believe what you say. Period will come to pass. Yes. Not just when you need God to move in your life. Right. You have to gauge yourself. Oh, I, I could Well, I don't think I better say that. That don't sound. <laughs> you got to you know curtail your speaking, your vocabulary and uh, things like that now you understand do you? I hope you understand but I'm going to tell you anyway because I don't know if you understand when you're in the public and you go to work and there's people and they don't know nothing they think they know everything you know the guy at the water cooler that's goes to such and such a church and he wants to challenge everything that's intelligent that you know uh, you just have to learn to not get in strife with people and not try to shoot stuff up over their head and and, you know, you know, you're all that to God and me, but you're not all that in a bag of chips like you think you are sometimes. So you're trying to prove your point at the, at the you know what I'm saying? Yes. You're getting arguments with people. Now, you can help people if they'll let you help them, but I figured, I figured this out years ago. Some people don't want help. They want to live in their wall or in their darkness. Yeah. And so I can't help them. Jesus it can't help them either if they're going to do that. If so they're not going to listen. But what I'm saying is you have to communicate with people on the job. This is my point. You can't be so ultra-spiritual you can't have a conversation with somebody. But just don't go down to that, the level of unbelief and fear and, and potty talk and all that kind of stuff, I call it. Keep it on a good level. And if they get mad, they get mad. Let them deal with it. It's hurting themselves. But what I'm saying is you don't have to try to be ultra-spiritual to everybody, was my point. You know. It, you know, let the Bible does say, let the ignorant be ignorant still. You know, some people are so religiously brainwashed, uh, they, they don't hear a thing I say. I don't mean necessarily in this church. It's, I mean, I've had them do that to me. But I mean, you know, some family members, extended family members and different people, they don't, they don't, know. They don't believe a single thing I say. So I just don't go there with them. You know, unless they open the door for me to talk to them about spiritual things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You've got to understand what I'm saying, but you have to believe that the things you say come to pass. You can't just talk any way you want the rest of the time, remember I mentioned that earlier, and then get in trouble or need God to move and say, well, wait a minute now, I didn't mean all the other, I mean this right here. You have to train yourself that what you're saying to ask yourself mentally, do I want that to come to pass? Do I want that to come into manifestation? Do I want to plant that seed in three or four months see something come up that shouldn't come up? Different weeds come up and choke my life, choke my children, choke my church, choke my... See, you've got to guard that. Now, here's what I wanted to get to. I've been trying to get... And there's some other things we'll talk about in a minute, but it says here... Let me pick it up, the latter part of 23. But shall believe that those things which he saith, or she, whoever, shall come to pass, he shall or they shall have whatsoever he saith. Notice you're going to have what you say. The indication is that right then at that moment when you begin to say something or another that you may not have it in manifestation right right then. You have it by faith. You have it by the Spirit. If you base what you're saying on God's Word and you're believing... But it may take some time for that process to work through. You understand what I'm saying? A time period there where you need patience. And this is why we need to keep at it. Keep at it. <laughs> no, I'm going to read the last part just and then we'll talk to you a minute. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Think about what Jesus is saying to you today personally. You're going to have, Scott, faith whatever you say. Eventually. Think about what I'm saying to you. you, you, you no, normally, we're not going to have it instantly because we're not been trained well enough. We're not developed yet. There's a, there's a development stage we get into. And then what happens is when you get established in this, when you say things, things will start coming to pass quicker. That's right. Now, I just gave you an illustration of a minute ago, and I'm not, I, I'm, not, I'm not tooting my own horn here. But I told you I didn't have any tangible anointing per se, you know, when we prayed for Jill. Where's she at? Over here somewhere, maybe. But I just prayed by faith and said, I curse whatever that is, commanded to dissipate, disappear. If you were here, you heard me say those words. And so she went to the oral surgeon on Tuesday, a different doctor than the original one, I assume. And they said, well, I can't find anything. There's nothing there. Well, what happened to it? It just did what I told it to do. Now, see, you could say, oh, Pastor... I wish I had your kind of faith. It is God's kind of faith, that's and it is your faith. That's right. It's the same faith you have. You just maybe don't know how to use it yet, or you say it, and you wonder, well, I hope that comes to That won't get it when somebody's got that in their mouth. Just let me pray, or somebody else that knows what they're doing. And it didn't have to... I, wasn't, I didn't have to have the doctor tell me it was gone. They could have said, well, uh, we want to do surgery, then we could have talked further. If we need to do surgery, we could do that. My point was that it's, it's going to be removed. Faith is always better than surgery. Get it straight. Amen. But if you need to go the world's way, God's not condemning you and neither will I. But my words were working in that. And you, you got same kind of I, course, the same kind of faith I got. costs the same kind of faith I got. a the God kind just like you got. You thought he got up with a big faith gun one day and said, oh, Pastor Jacobs, <laughs> Give him a big load of it. No, it's just that some people fool around their whole Christian life, never discipline themselves, never are diligent, never keep at it, and then want these kinds of results. And I can tell you right now, you won't have them if you don't pay attention. But you can have them. The potential's there. Now, I remember, and I told this story recently, I'm going to tell it again because, you know, the God's been dealing with me for four or five months now to start integrating more of my personal life into my uh, ministry and teaching. And before I just get you into Word, and I've got plenty more scriptures here, so we're not near ready to zip up anything. I don't want to hear no zipper zipping. <laughs> you know, you have a sheep stampede when you say, well, we're done, zip, 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 zip. zip, zip, zip. i remember as a teenager i was a very unstable young man i know none of you could relate to that but anyway i was and and i was all about emotions and whether i was approved or disapproved and a lot of issues i had back then about you know my dad and just i didn't know it was that and then my own weaknesses my own inferiorities i know nobody's gonna fess up but me today but i'm gonna tell a story, and. And so my life was one of a yo-yo, I called up and down and in and out. And if everybody loved me and everything was going great, I was on top. And then the next day, somebody say something, I had hurt feelings. <laughs> I just keep looking straight ahead because I know I'm talking to everybody today. I had hurt feelings and I had to deal with that. And I didn't have enough word in me to do anything. And I didn't know the things I teach you. And so, you know, and we, the pastor never dealt with anything like that. And so, you know, I was a very high-strung, emotional, hurt person that lived by my feelings, and because of that, most of my teenage years, I was depressed. And, uh, you know, I got saved when I was 21, and I got—I fell in love with Jesus, and I started reading His book. I started reading the Bible, and I started underlining, and I started paying attention. Now, I'm in a church that's limited in what they're giving me, but... I'm starting to seek God on my own, too. And uh, I'm starting to see things, so I got, you know, a handle on that. I got a handle on that spirit of depression. And so, you you know, it left me. And then I went along from 71, you know, for many, many years. Maybe every once in a while I have a little deal with it, you know, just a minor deal. But in 1990, I remember January 1st, 1990, I woke up and and there stood this evil spirit beside my bed, and I recognized it. I knew it. I knew it by the spirit. Now, I'd never seen it before, but I, see, your spirit is attuned to things when you're sensitive. And I said, I know who you are. Of course, you know, Diana was already out of the bed. She didn't hear me say this. I said, I know who you are, and you'll have to leave in the name of Jesus. So he vanished. Well, that was January 1, 1990, so that went on through January every day. Every day and sometimes several times a day I'd have to speak to that spirit. I never did it in front of anybody else not because I was embarrassed but because God said you don't need to call anybody to do anything. You're a big boy. Deal with it. So I dealt with it. January, February, March, April. Every day same thing. May, June, July same thing. August, September, October. Every day of the year. November. December I'm still dealing with this every day it's not changing my personality because I'm not giving it a place my wife can tell you she can tell you honestly I never brought it up to her she never knew I went through that all the way to December 31st of that year 90 I still dealt with it on December 31st. Nobody ever knew about it. never brought it up. Just me and the devil, uh, me and that spirit, and God helping me and showing me. And the thing, the main thing I did was speak to it. And I believe that my words come to pass. See, a lot of people don't believe their words come to pass. This is what I'm talking about right here. You've got to train yourself to speak, and not only speak for the things you want into your life, you can speak the things you want out of your life. That lasted for a whole year. Why? Because I kept at it. Yeah. And so you see, you got to keep at it. Yeah. See, you know what? If I'd have stopped in June and said, "I'm tired of fooling with this," well, you'd had a depressed preacher on your hand. You may not discern it at first, but it would come out and squirt out eventually, like all unbelief does. Like it does when I'm talking to you sometimes. You know, you, th- you know, when you get enough pressure on you, if you don't have anything to deal with it, what'll come out is unbelief, fear, doubt confusion you know now you know some people try to you know cover it up i mean i'm not criticizing anybody when you get under it you're just under it but you need to be honest but here's a way to get out of it words have seasons eventually in other words if you stay with it if you keep at it (laughs) i had to speak to that thing every day now somebody say well it didn't sound like it's a big deal wasn't because i dealt with it but it could have been a big deal I could have got discouraged, depressed. And then, you know, if I was one think like the world thinks, I'd think, well, I'll go to the doctor and get me some anti medicine. You know, everybody, that's the way the world's going now. We have become medical junkies. I used to be a drug addict. I know what it's like to do heroin and cocaine and, you know, methadrine, stuff like that. We've become medical junkies, pharmaceutical junkies in our day. Religious junkies, psychology junkies. I'm not against the medical profession, but I am against people that are so weak they don't ever believe God and they take everybody else's everything to deal with their life and never deal with their life scripturally, biblically. You know, that's what I'm saying. I've taken medicine before. I'll take it today if I need it. That's not the issue of the medicine, but to yield to that constantly that that's the way I got to live. That's the way I got to go when I got a Savior that died for me. And He's telling me here how to use the faith He put in me to speak to things. Now, you know, it may take you time to get established in what I'm saying. Don't take us too hard because it's not meant to be that way. But it is meant to help us to see what we're saying. Our confession of faith is what I'm talking about today, not our confession of our sin. You know, if you're born again, you've been made righteous. Now, if you are sinning, you need to stop it. You need to confess to the Father and plead the blood and get back in right standing with the Father and keep coming to church and listening to what I'm preaching. And a lot of times we do have healing lines or deliverance lines and different things. And after Halloween here, I'm going to teach a lesson coming up whenever that is, a week from this Tuesday. I'll be here preaching on the occult. And then the following day, we got a, we got a fellowship time, you know, and Brother Sean will be teaching a brief lesson to the children and all of us who come that night on the same subject similarly. And then the following Tuesday, two weeks from this Tuesday, I'll be starting a series on deliverance. And if you need it, you can get it. And it isn't the first time I've ever taught it. I've been teaching it for 30 years. Okay. Of course, I've been in this church 22, going on 23 coming up. But anyway, we're talking about our confession of faith. What's that mean, our confession of the Word of God? Yes. And, and you just because we have prayer lines doesn't mean that it's all going to be done in a prayer line. That's right. Now, I'm not making fun trying to be funny. It's going to sound funny, but you come up here until I rub your head bald praying for you if you're not serious about doing anything about it in your home life just stay seated that's right. don't waste my time that's right. don't waste my faith don't waste my energy well, right. no I mean maybe when I was a younger preacher I would have felt different but you know I've had to fool with Christians and believers and sheep for so long and see that people just want to use my faith and I'll use my faith to help you if you're serious but if you're not serious just stay seated go ahead and go to hell if you want because this has to be dealt with somewhere down through here in your personal life. You're going to have to be responsible for your life and you're going to have to take responsibility of what I'm teaching. The Bible says "To him that knows the right thing to do like Pastor Jacobs is teaching me right now and won't do it to him, it's sin. So if you're going to hear me preach this and then go out there and talk any way you want, you are in sin. Well, I didn't run off with anybody's mate. I didn't go shoot any dope. I didn't go, uh, you know, smoke any dope. I I didn't go get drunk. No, but you're sinning. And God will judge you stronger on things like this than He will those other things. Once you know truth and truth gets in you. Well, Pastor, you're scaring me. I'd like to scare the hell out of you. I mean, you're going to have some hell coming if you keep on doing what you're doing. Some of you, I've warned and warned and warned, and I'm just telling you, if you don't, stop it. Well, what am I doing? You know what you're doing. Don't act stupid. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'd line you up a hundred times if I thought it would help you, but I've just done this for 30 years, and I'm just being honest with you. If you're not serious about your own personal life to get in the Bible with me and to get in the Bible in your own personal time, then just forget it. You can come to church, give your tithe, I'll spend it. I'll pay bills with it. But you can forget about going anywhere in God because you're not being real yet. (laughs) You need to have your Bible and you need to have it open and you need to have it looking at what I'm preaching and what I'm saying and paying attention to me. Some people come to church and fall asleep. I can't believe you'd sleep on me. You can sleep on anybody else in the world. Sleep on your doctor. Fall asleep on your dentist. You can come to church and fall asleep. What's the matter with you? Preaching things that change your eternity. Not mad at anybody, but I'm just real about it. Let's get everybody up and rub their head and come out of them. And then they just want to think that that's a cure-all and they can go on back and watch TV as much as they want and, and go to the boat and smoke, smoke and run around Bargetown Road and weird places. Don't play with me. Don't play with me now. I'm telling you, don't do it. Sure love you, but don't play with me about these things. I haven't played with any of it. I've been serious about my commitment. to Just like when I had a shotgun was serious about, you better back up out of my house right now or we'd be calling the coroner. (laughs) I know that's too rough for most of you, but that's just the way I thought. I was serious about it. I think they saw it in my eyes. They better back up off me. Well, I'm serious about God I'm serious about going to heaven but even more than that I'm serious about getting some heaven in you heaven you live heaven on earth right now I'm not waiting for nothing <laughs> yeah I'm not waiting are you waiting last we're not waiting thank God for heaven but I'm not there yet I got a lot to do down here whoo <laughs> Go to Hebrews 4. I didn't know it would go this way today, but i sure am glad I came. I'm not sure you're glad you came, but I'm glad I came. (laughs) No, I'm not mad at anybody. If you took it that way, you're not reading my heart. But we have to be responsible on our side. I thank God, and I've told on myself how Dr. Dufresne, my spiritual father, uh, you know, by comparison, my pastor, you might call him, but he's really a prophet, so we don't call him a pastor and how he has rescued my life before in set settings, about my blood and about the pain in my side. It's all in my book, and it's all been preached 50 times probably in this group. But see, you know, I'm not calling him every other week, telling him I'm tempted to go to Caesars. You see what I'm saying? Or, you know, I just feel like being a big liar today, Dr. DeVrayne. Can you help me? No, he'd just say, don't do it. Grow up. up. Stop lying. Don't you lie. Well, anyway, hallelujah. Hebrews 4 and 14. (laughs) Seeing that we have a great high priest, oh, thank you, Jesus, that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us, that's the believers, hold fast our confession. Notice that. Hold fast our confession. You know, this, this is, keep at it. <laughs> you have to hold fast your confession. Again, he's not talking about confession of sin. He, he, he's talking about the confession of the Word of God in our life. Yes. Knowing what God says we are. What are you? Well, I'm redeemed. Yes. What are you? Well, I'm righteous. Yes. What are you? I'm seated with Him in heavenly places. Yes, the far above all principalities and powers. And you hear the body of Christ talk something, Oh, the devil, he's been after me. Well, I thought you're supposed to be seated with him. I thought that's what... See, see what I'm saying? We're not identifying and thinking right. And some of this could be new to a few people. So, you know, I understand it might take you a little time to get those gears cranking up here. You know, moving. But we have to understand we need to hold fast our... Now, the word's profession in the King James, but the Greek says... Homologia. logia is a Greek word that's a form of the logos, the written word, and homo means to say the same thing as. So what he's really saying is here, we should hold fast to saying the same thing the written word says about us. Right. Yes. If you were to take it in the Greek language, which is what is written, it wasn't written in English, you should know that by now. But here's my point, we're holding fast to our confession. I remember several years ago, you heard me do this, and it took a couple years. God said to me, I want you to refinance that building, the back building, you know, and different things, and and of course, you know, I started inquiring in some banks, you know, would you help us? We would like to refinance, you know, the the thing was on the downswing, the uh, interest interest rates and different things, And, and, and I remember one banker came and some kind of vice president or something, and or whatevers, and he said, we really want to help preachers and churches. I said, really? Well, that's encouraging. We set I brought him over to my office and talked. Then they wanted all of our records that we could provide for them. Naturally, you know, they're just natural people trying to figure it out. And so we sent all the records that, you know, du- duplicates or whatever they needed, the bottom line. And he called me back and said, well, I can't help you. Well, I thought you said you wanted to help preachers. I was nice, but firm. Well, uh, I said, well, quit telling preachers you want to help them. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he, he fizzled out. Then, then we heard about somebody else. And, and I even called my own bank that we banked with when we built this building and bought the land. And I said, you know, I told him who I was. And, and we, of course, we had paid the first building off, you know, so supernaturally. I mean, they were amazed. And um, then we financed the second one with them. I said, I'd like to refinance my loan with you. Well, we're not, we're not interested in doing that. I said, are you sure? Yes, sir. I said, now, really, I'm giving you first option. Are you sure? No, we couldn't do that. I said, well, all right. So then I, I kept looking. Now, now I'm two years I'm doing this. Two years. You hear me say every once in a while from the pulpit, we're going to get refinancing for that building. Everybody that shot their big mouth off, we're going to help you. Bam, bam, they fell. Bam. (laughs) You know what I mean. They fizzled out. They didn't come through. A lot of people talk big. And anyway, so anyway, you know, I'm in a meeting in Chicago preaching for a pastor and his wife. And we, we, we go by this building. They say, we're going to buy this building. I said, man, that's a nice building. Of course, they had a building, but nothing like that. And I said, well, if you don't mind me asking, and if, it's, if you don't want to tell me, just tell me to shut up. I can handle that. Just tell me it's none of my business. But I, we were friends, and uh, we are friends. But he, I said, you know, are you going to do bond program? Are you going to raise the money? Uh, how are you going to finance that? Well, we got this group in California and so gave me the name. I said, you think they do refinance? He said, I don't know, but my secretary used to work on Wall Street. And if you don't mind her calling you on the phone in your hotel room, she'd get some information, get the ball rolling. I said, have her call on. So she called that night on the phone. She didn't come to my room or nothing. She called on the phone and said this is so and so i'm pastor secretary yes ma'am and she said can you give me some info i said i can give you anything you want i think over the phone verbally i have to give you natural you know copies later but well this is the person and this is the group so i called this guy in california and he said yeah we can do that i said he said i'd like to meet you i said i'd like to meet you i'll be i'll be just where are you at and he told me and i said i'm going to be in temecula murrieta in about three weeks that's just 30 minutes from me I said, let me take you to lunch. So we went to lunch and we sat down and talked and I said, Now I want to do this, and I want to do that and I want to do the other. And he goes, I think we can do that. And not only did he say, I think we can do that, he brought our interest rate from eight percent down to six point two five and over the last four years, now we still got one more year with them, have saved us about ninety thousand dollars. Now I had to put out about fifteen or sixteen to do the big transaction with them, you understand? So that was about $75,000, seventy-five thousand seventy something, about fifteen thousand dollars a year. Our payment went way down. Now why did that happen? Because you're smart, Pastor? No, I'm just I keep at it. Thank you. Who said that? You're on it now. Keep at it. See, I'm not mad at anybody, but you know when people say we want to help you. And then my own bank, when of course the people I dealt with, came, you know, said we want the money, we want our money that's been in your bank because now we're that we're handling Pastor Jacob's stuff. <laughs> they, hey, what happened up there? Donna said, well, my pastor called you a couple times and asked to speak to so and so and so and so. You know, the commercial loan division, and you turned him down. Oh, we couldn't have. Yeah, you did. <laughs> now they're calling again, wanting to talk to me. So I said, well, you just call him back and say I may come see him. I'm gonna just. Let them dangle a little for a while. You got to keep at it. Yes. Took me two years, but we saved, like I said, after you paid for the whole deal and the big above, you know, all that, you saved about 15000 a year, which is, which is over $1,000 a month on the payment. Oh, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And now I'm, I'm back talking to them. I've talked to another bank in California. Got another bank number I'm going to call next week when I'm in California. It was given to me. We got a bank here that say they're interested. You know, we'll just see. And the people that we deal with now, they know I'm interested in doing something, but we've got to figure out the percentage and all that. Hallelujah. But you got to keep at it. What's that have to do with me? Everything. I've told you now about what? I've told you about mental depression. I've told you about finances. Hallelujah! Let's go to Hebrews 10. Let's look at this verse a minute. We're talking about keep at it. <laughs> you might get tired of saying that, but I wouldn't. Just keep at it. <laughs> Hebrews 10, 23. Keep on saying what you know is right to say. By his stripes, I am healed. Well, Pastor, I got four different symptoms in my body. Well, keep, come, keep saying what the Word says and keep coming on Tuesday nights and letting the Holy Ghost and the Word tweak you. You know, you have a right to be healed, but you may be ornery at home. You may be a strife starter. You keep everybody tore up in your family. Now, you're not going to get healed like that, I can tell you that, because where there's strife, there's every evil work, and that would include sickness because Deuteronomy says evil diseases of Egypt. Yeah, it's real good. Or you, you, could, you could come and really have a, a good heart towards God but just not know some things that maybe we know that we're going to show you from the Bible and it may be in three or four weeks because we can't teach everything we know about healing in one week. Keep coming. Yeah. Keep, keep at it. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But see, that's what we're doing. We're keeping in our confession, particularly here, Hebrews 10 23. Let us, that's the believer again, hold fast the confession of our faith. So we know that's the confession of the Word of God. By the way, profession is the same Greek word, homologia, that I told you about earlier. So it's saying, let us hold fast the saying the same thing the written Word says about our faith. And about the Word. In other words, hold fast to what the Word says about you. Without wavering. Notice that. Without wavering. Without wavering. Without wavering. See, when I locked in with Miss Jill last week, I was committed to that, that I would never take the words back. See, so you've got to understand how faith thinks and how faith is. Now, Jacob, I don't know, he, I don't know where he's at, but... He, he, he may have had step out, but my son-in-law, you know, he had cancer five or six years ago. They didn't give him hardly any chance to live. I was there when the doctors talked to him. I know what I'm talking <laughs> Oh, man, what a day that was. A day from hell. And we, we appreciate the doctors, but, boy, you talk about some bad theology. They had it. And we had to correct them nicely but firmly. <laughs> I said, now, you're the doctor and I'm the preacher... You stay out of the theology stuff. But we came to you because they told us you were the best. And I'm willing to sit, me and Jacob, and listen to you and respect you. But we do not agree with what you just said. And we'd appreciate it if you'd just stay out of anything of religion that you're thinking. You want to doctor this young man? I'm his pastor. We're going to sit and listen, give you respect, do what you tell us to do. We're not here to cause problems, but don't cause me a problem either. You're not his pastor. See, because I knew if I let that go, they're liable to kill him. (laughs) By their words. Nobody will ever do this once you take these treatments. And nobody will ever... Well, I understand they're natural people dealing with natural stuff. I'm not blaming them. But you don't want to strap that on somebody that's coming for help. We are to hold fast to our confession of faith. Notice that. Without wavering. Without wavering. I remember here's my son. He's 20 years old in the black suit up here. Black outfit. And I remember he, he was conceived, and Diana, you know, was pregnant, and we were, I don't know, a month into the pregnancy or two. I don't remember the exact timing, but we went to the doctors that we respected to where we'd had our other, my daughter, you know, where we, they, these doctors. And uh, they examined her and they did things, and they said, well, uh, they said, well, we need to talk to you in the office a minute. So we went in and sat down. We liked this doctor. He was a great doctor. Uh, it wasn't Dr. Hyman. It was his buddy, what was Dr. Armstrong, I think he's went on now, I think he died, and went on to be with the Lord, a Catholic man. Uh, I liked him, we both liked him, he was very pleasant. He said, now we got a problem. I go, we said, well, what do you mean? Well, your wife has uh, placenta privia, which means the placenta is attached over the cervix, over the opening, so you can't have this baby the way women normally have them and you're going to have to have a C-section, and you might have other problems. You might have bleeding. You might, It even indicated, you know, we may not be able to keep the pregnancy and all that somewhat. You know, it could be a rough time. So we listened to him. We said, well, thank you, doctor, for giving us your your uh, thoughts here and your information. We appreciate you. And so I remember that day, I, I knew it affected her more than me because she's carrying the baby. Of course, he's my, my seed in there. You understand that. I was rugged about it as far as he's, who, we didn't know then boy or girl but wh- whoever we believed was going to make it so I took her hand we went out instead of going down the, the, uh, e- the uh, elevator we went down the stairs and when the door closed behind us I said now you listen to me you belong to me and that seed belongs to me and I'm declaring that that placenta will move he just told us 10 minutes before that placenta once it's attached will not move and reattach itself I said, Placenta, I'm talking to you. I took her hand. I said, Now, I love you, but let me deal with this. You just stay out of it. Unless you want to agree, that's fine. If you don't want to agree, just stay out of it. I can deal with it. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Let me deal with this. I said, I command that placenta to move, and we'll have this child normally the way you created a woman to have it. Child. Now, I'm not taking issue with anybody who's had other kinds of surgeries. Don't, don't, don't read anything. I'm just talking about me and my family. I'm talking about keep at it. See, yeah. 10 minutes before, the doctor, and he's just been doing his job. What he felt, what he saw, the ultrasound, whatever. He's telling us, what, this is what's going on in your wife's body. So you just need to be prepared. We'll pick a date. She can have a C-section. If she makes it that long, so it's it's, more, the more the bleeding and different things would happen yeah not him maybe not making it because different you know whatever so anyway we we every month we went back to the doctor the gynecologist you know and he does what he does and he looks they do ultrasound and and he said well it hadn't changed so you know he's he's just preparing us pick we'll pick a date out here around the the term when that's supposed to be full term it, you know if you make then then my wife I, and i took her hand we walked down the steps again i said now i'm talking to you placenta you're going to obey me and I command you to move. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I said, now this is my seed and this is my flesh. I'm married to this woman. There's flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. And I command that. And we k- stayed on it. Then, then we'd go a month and then she'd have bleeding. And she'd have to lay on the couch, you know. And then I'd come in. I'd say, no, I command that bleeding to stop in the name of Jesus. It'll be as I say. I would say that every time after I'd get done praying. It'll be as I say. Now, see, you know, I kept at it. You've got to be ruthless sometimes. I'm not mad at her. I'm not mad at the doctor. I didn't go bend and You know, here's where Christians really mess it up. Then they start fussing at the doctor. You know, we went to see his associate, Dr. Hyman. He was a fine Christian man. I think he's gone too, maybe. And he, we were in the office with him the first time. How come you come to me? Well, I heard you believe God. He said, praise God. He lifted, he's a Baptist guy. He lifted his hands. I think he was a spirit-filled Baptist. And uh, he was a wonder, but and he said, now you guys aren't going to tell me how to run my business, are you? He was real bold, too. Was and he was kind of funny. I said, I, no, I Doc. had him in here said, so they I, don't need any medicine and they don't need this. They just want me to catch the baby, that's about it. I said, Doc, I brought her to you because we heard you're the best. And no, we're not going to interfere. We got our faith out there. And actually, this is when Jessica, her, she was, you know, conceived, but said, we're going to let you do what you need to do to help us. Because, see, a lot of Christians would come in there, and you could tell he had a burr under his saddle, that they were going to tell him how to run everything. So we didn't tell Dr. Hyman. We didn't argue and fuss. and I didn't say, well, it's going to be like I say, buddy. No, I wait till i got to stairwell. <laughs> because, really, I, if, if I need this guy for anything at all, as just a good doctor. I don't want him offended at me and her, and like we're going to shove our weight around. That's not our M.O., but now when it comes to the spirit and we're alone I'm going to shove all the weight I want up in the devil's face you better just back up off my wife you better back up off this pregnancy you don't want some more of that sword do you rattle it in the sheath sheath there and every day and every day and every day we kept at it and you know what the very at the very last minute they say you know what that placenta has moved the very last month yeah, they were getting ready to set the date for the C-section. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, if you have faith and you'll doubt not, you can have what you say. Right. But you have to keep at it. Keep at it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Let's go to Hebrews 6 a minute. Hebrews 6. I'm just about done. You, you're your blessing today. Hebrews 6, 11 and 12. Hebrews 6, 11, and 12. See, you know, you know this is why I love Hebrews so much. It's such a wonderful book. I love the whole Bible, of course, but it's just some things stand out to you. And we desire that every one of you, how many? Every one, every one of us to show the same diligence or persistence or stay with it <laughs> to the full assurance of hope, the thing you're hoping for, unto the end. In other words, until the thing manifests that you be not slothful. So, see, here's an issue. If you're lazy, it's not going to work. Now, what if I'd have got up into the fifth or sixth month or seventh month and said, well, it should have moved by now. I, I guess my face's not working. I guess it's not as strong as I thought it was. I guess I'm going to have to throw in the towel. Well, then then see, you know, and, yeah, and she had other incidents with bleeding and spotting and I don't know what all, you know, down there, different things happening in her body causing alarm to her. But I just stayed on it. and If I'd come home, she didn't feel right and things were out. I'd say, no, in Jesus' name, I command this body to function correctly. Command the bleeding to stop. It'll be as I say. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we just kept on it here, but it says that we be not slothful. So we can't be lazy. It says here, but what else does it say? But followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises notice the promises if you'll be committed to stay with your faith and stay with your confession and have patience about you notice you will inherit the promises now i want to talk to you just a second about something here sometimes people have habits i mean could be a lot of things anger lust drugs alcohol smoking pornography i mean that's just to name a few money problems weight problems marriage problems job problems etc but you know if you'll do this what we're teaching today and speak to things it'll change that for you sure will it'll change it sure enough now we, we know we know this turn back to 2 Samuel 3 real quick here I'm going to show you something I know it's the Old Testament but there's a parallel here 2 Samuel 3 in verse 1 I'm just about done and uh Sometimes things, some things take longer than others to turn around. You understand my comment? Some things take longer to make it go a certain way and it's because some things have been uh, maybe rooted and grounded in some things and it just takes time to turn it. But notice 2 Samuel 3 and verse 1. Uh, Now there was a long war between the house of Saul, which I call the flesh house or natural things, and the house of David, which I call spirit and spiritual things. But David waxed stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker. See, sometimes there may be a long period of time in dealing with things, but if you stay with it, you know, then you'll get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. You know, you know. I used to used to do a lot of things. I'm ashamed of it now, but I mean drink and smoke and do things like that. And, but I don't do that anymore. You know, I don't do that anymore. I don't have to go into convenient and think, oh, I need to stay away from the girly magazines over there in the corner. I hope I can handle it before I pay for my gas. I hope I don't run over there and pick up a Playboy or the cigarettes or the, cigarettes. Or the Mogan David 2020. Or really, I was, you know, when I had a little more money, then I drank scotch, but when it didn't, I drank embalming fluid, you know, MD-2020. Joe knows what I'm talking about. But, you know, I went to the convenience just the other day, and I didn't think about any of those things. I just thought about paying for my gas and leaving. Didn't think about buying a lotto ticket. Didn't think about buying some Marlboros. Didn't think about a girly magazine or some beer in the back shelf or anything. I just thought, I, praise God, I'm delivered. I never even thought about it, really, but I'm just delivered. See, but some things take time, but if you'll stay with it, then the flesh and the natural things and things that are habits or whatever might be in your life, that'll grow weaker and weaker and weaker. And the spirit man will get stronger and stronger if you'll keep at it. Now, here's one final thought before I let you go today, and I got a baptism to do, so I'm going to have to head out here. If you're visiting, I'd like to spend time to greet you personally, but I don't know that I will if I run into you in the hall high. But if I don't, i got to get my clothes and get my trunks on and get in the pool. <laughs> got my floaty waiting. <laughs> no. Really. But here's what I wanted to say about confession. This is an issue with a lot of people, and I made myself a note about it. This is not legalism, where you have a mentality, I have to do that. If you take that attitude out of what I just taught you, It won't work for you. See? No, no, it's not I have to. It's rather what a privilege I get to. See, what I'm teaching you is you can enter into this vast inheritance that Jesus has provided and it's a privilege to do that and you get to say what God said about you and if you stay with it, yeah, it'll come to pass. Keep at it. I said stay with it <laughs> stay with it keep at it be diligent consistent some people said well how long do I have to do that forever yeah I, I don't just because now I got a little bit of money or I got a nice car and I stopped saying well you know uh, you know I sure wish uh, you know I, di- I don't quit saying what I've been saying hallelujah thank you father I keep saying I have abundance and no lack. <clears throat> oh, hallelujah. <laughs> keep at it. <laughs> you can see, I think you can see from what we've taught you today that this is all possible. And, and really, and I will to say this, it may shock, it's not up to God. He's already done His part. He gave you His Bible, His words. And remember, like we started today, words have seasons. Words have. If you want something to be different later this year, or the beginning of next year, or by next summer, see what we, we ended up talking at the end a little bit about patience. And if it's a long-term thing, it may take a little longer to turn it, but it can be turned. Amen. It can be turned. Amen. Hallelujah. I mean, I was in the Navy, and I saw some of those ships. They're longer in this building. It, go, it went from Grant Line almost to the woods down here. You know, the big aircraft carriers. And, and, and they're turned by a small, relatively small propeller in the back, but it, you don't take a big ship like that and turn it like that in the ocean. It don't do a, a, a abrupt left turns. It, it, somebody's setting the course, and it's turning, but you don't even hardly see it in the ocean. But it's turning all the while, but it may take it 30 miles to turn. See, sometimes you don't see the progress, but it's turning all the time if you'll stay with it. Amen. Oh, wait a minute. Keep at it. <laughs> well, stand up with me. You've been A blessing. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us for this message. Pastor Jacobs has been in full-time ministry for over 30 years. He is founder of Church on the Rock and Church on the Rock Bible Institute. He travels extensively throughout the United States and the world. For product information or to partner with Pastor Jacobs, please call 812-948-5906 or write Church on the Rock, 4224 Mel Smith Road, New Albany, Indiana, 47150.